Hey everyone, this is Julian Palumbo and Spirit with us. Today, God's put it on my heart to speak to you about divorce and remarriage in the church for Christians. Um, everything we say, sorry about that. Everything we say today will be from the um, great pastor and researcher David Instone Brewer and his book, Divorce and Remarriage in the Church. Now, this is a subject I have studied myself for the last good 10 years. Um, I've read many books on the subject, read the Bible inside and out about the subject. And uh, I feel qualified to speak to you on the subject uh, after so much prayer and many years uh, of, of seeking to know the truth on these topics. So without further explanation, I'm going to just um, get started. And we're talking about the biblical principles and church policy, um, talking about the biblical church not any one denomination. So, and again, this is all coming from David Instone Brewer and his book, Divorce and Remarriage in the Church. So, um, we're going to start with uh, these principles. Now, these are um, six principles, and then we'll go on from there. And I I might stop the comment, Holy Spirit, please, please just lead me and guide me. Put your words in my mouth. In Jesus' name. All right, marriage. Number one, marriage is a lifetime contract between two partners. And marriage vows are the stipulations of this contract. So it is not to be taken lightly. It is to be taken very, very seriously. And I think today people do not nearly weigh the commitment and this contract they're making before God and man before they enter, enter into marriage. Uh, the marriage doesn't have a backdoor or an escape clause. It, it just doesn't. Um, it's very, very serious. So again, number two, both partners vow to provide material support and physical affection and to be sexually faithful to each other. Now, the word comes out here is vow. When you take a vow before God, that's unbreakable. Unless we'll go into the, the very few and highly qualified exceptions. So provide material support, physical affection, and to be sexually faithful to each other. Now, this is pulling from the um, Old Testament and the Hebrew um, contracts of marriage, as well as the New Testament, both taken together, because don't forget, Jesus was a Jew, <laughs> and he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So, if one partner breaks the marriage vow, this is number three. If one partner breaks the marriage vow, the other has the right to decide either to end the marriage with a divorce or to carry on. 
Okay, so there's one of your valid grounds for divorce if a partner breaks a marriage vow. Uh, the other, the, the uh, innocent victim is the one who has the right to end the marriage with a divorce or to forgive and carry on, which Jesus wants us to do if that is a possibility at all, a possibility. Number four, divorce should take place only if vows have been broken and it is always sinful to break these vows. It's always sinful to break these vows. So initiating the divorce by breaking a vow is a very serious sin before God. And that's pretty self-evident. Number five, Jesus adds the caveat that we should forgive an erring partner unless they break their vows continuously or without repentance. Now, personally, this helped me so much to make the differentiation. Uh, I have been down this road myself. Uh, I'm the victim of um, an abusive marriage, and I sought to know um, whether I was doing the right thing or not. And I really sought the Lord. I did a lot of research. And um, this one thing helped me to understand for that Jesus adds the caveat, we should forgive an erring partner unless, there's the word, unless they break their vows continuously <clears throat> or and or without repentance. So I think these two things go together. If they break their vows continuously, obviously they're probably not repentant and vice versa. They don't repent. They don't think they're doing anything wrong or they just don't care. They're, they may break their vows continuously. So otherwise, uh, Jesus would like us to forgive that erring partner. So in my case, yes, that I had a, a spouse that broke their vows continuously and without repentance. Um, number six. Paul adds the caveat that if a divorce takes place without citing broken vows, remarriage to another is allowed only if reconciliation is impossible. So this is a, a tough one, and that's one that you have to um, look at because if the person hasn't broken their marriage vows, um, remarriage to another is only allowed if reconciliation is impossible. That would have to be a case by taste, case basis. Now, it goes on to say the overriding principle in all these points is that the wronged partner must be able to choose. They must be able to decide whether to regard the marriage contract as broken or whether to persevere with it. And if they have been divorced against their will in a civil court, they should be able to decide whether to attempt a reconciliation. So, uh, in other words, I believe this number six point refers to when, um, in Paul's day, 
and under Roman rule, the uh, husband could throw the wife out the front door and say, here's your stuff, don't come back. And that's the end of it. Roman law considered that a divorce. Now, remember, some of the, the, these people were under Roman law, and they were also, a lot of them were under Hebrew law, too, at the same time. So, um, the, we have to look at it from both directions. Now, um, so if, if this woman, or let's just say it's a woman, could be a man, but usually, well, in Rome, the Romans let the husband throw the wife out if he didn't like her for some reason, or for whatever reason. It didn't have to be that she broke her vows at all. Um, so Paul's saying <clears throat> remarriage to another is allowed only if reconciliation is, reconciliation is impossible. In other words, uh, in these situations, if, if these, um, are Christians or, or one or the other is a Christian, uh, maybe you'll remain separated for a while, but then attempt reconciliation. And of course, Paul means for the two parties to stay uh, celibate until until they reconcile. And uh, if reconciliation is impossible, say the husband takes a new wife or whatever the case may be, um, if the door shut to reconciliation, then Paul says that a victimized person is free to remarry. Now, um, so the, uh, they, sh if they have been, so that would be being divorced against your will. In other words, if say the wife didn't, didn't mean to do anything wrong. She wants to, she loves her husband and he threw her out anyway. Um, so that's where you would, she would try to reconcile, but if it was impossible, then she uh, Paul allows remarriage. Now, on the basis of these principles, a church might adopt the following set of policies. Now, here's here's the uh, let's see, we have five policies here. The biblical grounds for divorce are adultery, neglect, and abuse, any of which is equivalent to broken marriage vows. Now. <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, when I read this, my heart leaped for joy because there are those out there on the internet and God bless them, fellow Christians, brothers and sisters who hold forth very strictly that there are no grounds for remarriage. That's it. You can separate, you can divorce, but Jesus said you can't remarry. Now, that was the one sticking point that gave me um, anxiety, to be honest, um, in the last 10 years, um, because I have remarried and I've been remarried for 10 years, and I wanted to be completely in good standing with the Lord, and I uh, was driven to do all this research, and just to, to seek Him and to seek His um, heart on the, on the matter, the Lord's heart. And the one thing that came up before me was that God would never put a person 
it says, the Bible says that he does not tempt people to sin. If you do not allow remarriage and you're a victim um, of an abusive or otherwise um, a spouse that's not faithful, um, then that would be putting you in a place where you have to live celibate the rest of your life. And this would also bring temptation. If you are an adult, you're young or middle-aged, even older, um, those hormones are still there. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. And you have to deal with that. And temptation would be there constantly. Um, or you would maybe driven to other habits to try to compensate overeating, drinking alcohol, whatever loneliness. That is not what God would do. He does. The scripture says he does not bring us into temptation. That's the enemy. And, um, so this really brought me freedom when I read this, these words, the biblical grounds for divorce are adultery, neglect, and abuse, any of which is equivalent to broken marriage vows. Hallelujah. Now, this is, again, based on the, the great research of David in Stone Brewer. And I highly recommend, if you are going through any of these situations yourself, Invest in a copy of this book. It's the most in-depth uh, study and research on this subject that I've come across. And there have been some other good books um, that I would recommend. I don't have them with me now, but uh, this has been the one that I wanted one that didn't bend the rules, didn't uh, get emotional. It just went with what the Bible clearly is teaching, looking at it as a whole, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, very balanced, very unemotional, objective look with it, but still being fair and just, but uh, not being swayed by one point of view or another. Because to me, that's just, then you're just getting that one person's point of view. I wanted the truth. I wanted the facts. When I uh, stand before God, when I breathe my last, I don't want him to say, you've been living in an adulterous marriage for however many years. God forbid. So that's why I really applied myself to clearing this up. And I'm finally sharing with you, if you know, if I'm sharing this with you, that this is my final conclusion after years of searching and researching and studying and praying and seeking, that this is what I feel and trust according to scripture. That's all I wanted was scripture, that this is God's answer. And this is what makes sense. God does not bring temptation into people's lives. Now, if you are the victim of adultery, the victim now, you didn't do it. The other person did it. Neglect, abuse. These are equivalent to broken marriage vows. All right, let's move on. 
Now we're talking about why is this important? Because we're going to see that that's broken vows like these only the and and only these okay uh, are the ones that give a valid ground so what it came down to when i i finally got this uh, perspective is that it comes down to valid or invalid grounds biblical grounds for divorce so we'll see that in a minute number two no one should initiate a, a divorce unless their partner is guilty of repeatedly or unrepentantly breaking their marriage vows. So in my case, I had to initiate the divorce, but the actual divorcing and breaking of the marriage was already done by the other party. So I was just finally saying this is done this has been over for years um, and God finally showed me it was my time to leave and he was never going to do it he was never going to legally divorce me because he wanted to keep all the money and all the properties that he had and he was too afraid of losing his all that his goodies uh, so he was against divorce and he did fight me on it for two years. If I had known in the beginning, it was going to take two years to finally get my freedom. I'm, I'm glad I didn't know that. God just got me through one step at a time. And the end was finally glorious. And I, I came to find out your freedom from someone like that is, is worth more than any money. So... Um, I did lose a lot, uh, it, you know, of this world's material goods, uh, but I came out the other end um, free. And what a feeling after a 34-year marriage and four grown children. So, yeah, uh, that's what I'm looking, the perspective I have anyway. So I can definitely say that uh, my part, ex-partner, repeatedly and unrepentantly broke their marriage vows and I won't go into all the things that he did but he just he did about every one of these things <laughs> checked all the boxes so um, number three no one should separate from their marriage partner without intending to divorce them now that's interesting isn't it so the Bible allows for a uh, a short separation in some cases uh, and then rec reconciliation can be attempted during that period of time if it's impossible then you remember uh, Paul allowed for uh, remarriage in that case um, so in other words God does not want someone hanging out there in limbo um, separated but not divorced because if that person that would put the person both parties really into a, a place where sin would just be too easy temptation to get with someone new is too easy and what happens then is you commit adultery because you're still married so that's why God, this is a good point to show that God does not want people to be uh, 
tempted. He doesn't tempt people, and he's against that. He wants everything to be clean up and above board. So no one should separate from their marriage partner without intending to divorce them. If someone has divorced or separated without these biblical grounds, then they should attempt a reconciliation with their former partner. And the fifth principle that the church um, should um, might adopt and ha have as their policy, according to David and Stone Brewer, is that remarriage is allowed in church for any divorcee after a service of repentance, unless they have divorced a wronged partner who wants to be reconciled. Okay, so there's a lot in that point. So in other words, um, after you're divorced on biblical grounds, okay, the grounds we've been, just been through, uh, they, the church should allow for remarriage only in the Lord, only another Christian. It's, the Bible's very clear about that. And remarriage is allowed unless they have divorced a wrong partner who wants to be reconciled. So in the, in the case of, um, all right, we'll just use me. <laughs> I was the wronged partner in that situation. Um, and my ex-spouse say he wanted to be reconciled to me in other words he was repentant he was sorry um then and i wanted to reconcile that's the other point so in other words he was he wanted to reconcile and he he was really repentant and i trusted that and believed it and I wanted to be reconciled. So it really puts the power. See, God puts the power in the person who was wronged in their hands. So if you have biblical grounds, um, God lets you decide in your situation. Now, in my situation, I knew he was never going to change. In fact, after 34 years, it was really obvious that as time went by, he was getting worse and worse. I, I was married to a narcissistic, uh, psychopathic um, individual, and that was told to me by a Christian psychotherapist. Um, there were many, it was almost a lifelong job for me to try and fix our marriage, and God knows that my heart was to improve and fix the marriage which i worked on constantly throughout those years and at the end we even went to counselors psych uh, psychiatrists and it was all so hopeless it just but i had the satisfaction of knowing i tried everything before the lord he knows that i did and the day came that uh in, in my heart he had put an impression years before when the last child is out of the house um, you're free to go and believe me I could have I wanted to leave long before that but no I, I had that that um, direction from the Lord and I followed it my daughter got married 
And it wasn't long after that that um, she knew what was going on in my house. And she said, Mom, I want you to get out from under that and come and live with me. And uh, I, I knew this was my open door. So I walked through it. But that was very, very clear to me. I, I really couldn't stay there because I was getting in more and more danger. I had already initiated the divorce proceedings and um, because there was no way I could live there um, under the same roof. So I didn't really care at this point what happened. I just needed to get away. Whatever happened, happened. I trusted the Lord with it all. So um, if you are the wrong partner, God gives you the choice um, if you can be reconciled or not. And you'll know. You'll know. God will direct your heart. And um, so that's it in a nutshell. And I don't want this to be too long. Um, we might go back and revisit this topic again. But I hope if you've been anxious and worried about whether you are allowed to remarry, um, I hope this cleared it up for you. Um, I wish I had found these things out sooner than I did, but I think the way I am, I had to exhaust all the research I could possibly do before I could settle on the answer. And this just rings true with the character of Jesus and his word. So God bless you, and uh, I hope this helps you or someone you know. In Jesus' name, thanks for listening.